I think we all um, understand that there's a difference between the ideal and life. Ideally, you score, uh, you know, and leave your opponent very little time on the clock, 37 seconds, no timeouts, and you just know there's no way that the other team can drive. They don't have enough time. They can't drive and win the game. And then there's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Ideally, you know, uh, you study for an exam and you do very well. I, I, uh, uh, when I was in Rome, I don't know if I've told the story, but one of, one of the things we had to do is, is give a 20-minute 20, 20 uh, presentation on a topic to professors who were experts on that topic. And um, my second one of these was on something I know and knew very well because I was writing my thesis on it, which was the problem of evil. And so I was pretty excited about it, and I talked to the professor, and, you know, they would let you do it in English if, if you asked. And so I did, and, and the professor said yes. Well, there were two. And then the day before, the other professor said, no, you have to do it in Italian. So now I had to have a discussion, a presentation, and a discussion in Italian that I was not prepared to do. And there was so much I could say about it. But this French-Canadian guy, who spoke perfect English, was, you know, I don't think he liked Americans, made me do it in Italian. I only got a B plus, and it still makes me really angry. Because I really, I mean, really, I had so much more I could say. You know, there's the ideal. If I could have done it in English, gosh, I, I would have done great. But having to do it so quickly into Italian was just, I mean, it was just, for me, you know, it was just, it couldn't do as well. There's the ideal, and then there's life. And so we, we hear a passage today from Jesus about marriage. And then we have our lived experience of marriage. People don't get married with the intention of getting divorced. That would be odd. They get married fully intending to, the best they can, fulfill the ideals of marriage. And they do the best that they can. But as we know and as we've lived, um, we can intend to do the best we can, and sometimes it just doesn't work. There's a lot of confusion about what the church actually teaches about this. You know, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, Father, you know, I got a divorce. Can I still go to communion? Yes. Yes, you can. Merely getting a divorce doesn't do anything to change your engagement with the faith. Not a thing. In fact, I don't know if you know this, because there are a lot of people who say, well, the church doesn't believe in, a div in divorce, which is kind of a, a weird way of even talking about it. Believe in, it's not something to believe in, it just is. Really, a better way to say, say it is, you know, divorce is a civil thing. It's not a church thing. So it's not really that the church doesn't believe in it. It's just that the church doesn't really directly talk about it. What the church actually says, and it's in the catechism, is that there are times when couples need to separate. There are times where it's in the best interests that they would have to separate. 
And it doesn't say what that action would be, but it could be and could mean even divorce. And there's certainly very, very good reasons for that. Actually, even in the early church, there were, um, what they would do in the early church, actually, you know, smaller, smaller communities and everything. And um, based on how bad the relationship had gotten, people would actually talk to the bishop, because again, it was small, you know, they could talk to the bishop that directly. And, you know, they would be allowed to separate or allowed to get a divorce. It's happened. So what's interesting is that throughout the entire life of the church, the church has always made room for such a thing to occur. The point that I'm getting at, I guess, um, and this is from one whose parents also were divorced, is just because we do not always reach the ideal doesn't mean that God seeks to punish us. And it doesn't mean that there isn't room for us. It doesn't mean that um, God does not desire us to be with him, etc. And it's unfortunate how many times uh, people who've, who have had to go through a divorce really feel like they've done something against God, as though God doesn't understand. And that's just simply not true. I mean, think of it in terms of everything else we do. Sometimes we do the best we can and things just don't work. And God is not seeking to punish us. That makes God pretty small, doesn't it? Well, that's a really small God. A God who loves perfectly, but then, well, not always? No. A God who always loves perfectly. And a God who understands. And a God who works through our difficulties. It's not always somebody's mistakes that lead to divorce. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's the fault of one or the other or both or, you know, we know how it goes. But even so, even if it was that person's fault, as it were, God is not looking to punish them or us for any of the things that we've done wrong. We don't have a God who's looking, who's trying to find something wrong with us. We have a God who already knows what's going to happen. We have a God who already has created, if you will, or fulfilled the mechanism by which we will be forgiven for the things we haven't even done wrong yet. His death on the cross has already fulfilled what is necessary to forgive that sin that we don't even know we're going to commit yet that he does know. God makes room for all of it. Now, you know, if you hear me saying, well, gosh, are you advocating divorce? Well, sometimes. I once said, I don't do, just so you know, I don't do marriage counseling. But on this one occasion, and it's not here, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Two people came in and they talked about their marriage. And it was perhaps the worst relationship I have ever witnessed. <laughs> I, had to, I had to stop them from yelling at each other and they said, Father, <laughs> they said, Father at the end, what do you think? And I said, uh, I... Wow. Um, 
I think you should get divorced. (laughs) You might say, that's scandalous. How could a priest say it? I was saying it for effect. That's why I said it. In other words, I was saying to them, boy, your relationship is so bad, you either better get, get it together or what's the alternative? And really, what is the alternative? You know, sometimes that shock can get, and they're still together. But anyway, you get my point. It, it can some, sometimes shock somebody. So don't go saying fathers for it. it. But there are times, and this is what the church teaches, there are times where that would be best. And the church teaches it. Because sometimes things can't be fixed. And you have to go your separate ways. And so those of you who have had to do that, I just want you to know that, of course, there is room for you. Of course God loves you. Of course God finds a way. Of course God finds a way to take care of the kids. And you do the best that you can. But isn't this really the whole of Christian life? You do the best that you can. If we hold ourselves to 100%, no one would be here today. Me me neither. None of us are 100%. We're just not. And God already knew that. If we were 100%, we wouldn't need the cross. We wouldn't need a Savior. We wouldn't need Jesus Christ. You know, and a lot of times we get focused on just sort of individual things that, well, this guy does some, something wrong and he shouldn't go to communion or he shouldn't go to church or he shouldn't even be Catholic or whatever. And then if we were to actually evaluate everybody's sins, again, who could even enter the church? I hear it so often. I'll talk to a guy who hasn't gone to confession in 30 years and I'm like, get in there. It's like, no, I can't even go to church. The, the ceiling, ceiling will cave in. I'm like, there's far worse than you. (laughs) Just collectively. (laughs) Just collectively, the sins are huge. And I think we just have to be honest about that and okay with that and recognize that despite our failures, no matter what they are, we have a God who loves us desperately. And is just waiting to forgive us. Is just waiting to give us mercy. And, and so we're at a time in our, our existence, in society, in our civilization, where families look all kinds of different ways. And I refuse to believe that God loves any of them any less. Because that's just not who he is. Sometimes just doing the best we can is really enough. I dare say it's always enough. If we truly believe we did the best we can, also believe that God is loving you the best that he can and has mercy and forgiveness for all of us. Please stand.